From St. Peter's Church on 54th and Lex in New York City, this is 54th in Text. This week, we're talking about the Exodus's influence on American political life, especially around slavery and the lead-up to the Civil War. To get started, we're going to go back about 200 years and think about how the Exodus shaped public discourse in the decades leading up to the Civil War. Now, there's a lot of history that we can't talk about just because of time. For example, we could do a whole episode on Harriet Tubman, who people viewed as a modern-day Moses. Alongside Tubman, we could talk about David Margate, a black preacher who thought of himself as a Moses-like leader called to deliver his people from slavery. Margate encouraged black resistance and eventually fled to England after a lynch mob formed against him. We could add to that list Reverend Richard Allen, the founder of the AME Church, who wove the Exodus throughout his writings and sermons, claiming that God was still the pleader of slave causes. Now we could go on, but this gives you a sense of the scope we're dealing with here. Exodus isn't just a book of the Bible or an event but it's very much a political idea that was in play within black communities in the run-up to the Civil War. We could even go to the 1960s and talk about the differences between MLK and Malcolm X through the lens of Exodus. What all of these have in common is the idea of an indictment of America. These people saw America not as the shining city on a hill that Puritan John Winthrop promised, but America as Egypt. So instead of skimming through a list of names, we're going to talk about one person in particular, David Walker. David Walker was born right at the end of the 18th century in North Carolina. Walker's mother was a free black, but his father was a slave. So by the rules of the day, Walker grew up a free man. Eventually, he left North Carolina and went north to Boston, where he became a leader in the abolitionist movement. He even had a hand in the country's first newspaper for African Americans. In September of 1829, Walker published a manifesto, commonly known as David Walker's Appeal. When you read this appeal, it becomes clear that Walker was a gifted writer. But Walker also had a sharp mind for promoting those ideas. See, when Walker moved to Boston, he opened up a second-hand clothing store. He would trade clothing from the sailors that came and left from Boston. He would take clothing in in exchange for alcohol and then resell it. But when he resold it, he often left copies of the appeal in the pockets. Pockets that traveled up and down the eastern seaboard. And within weeks of its publication, the appeal could be found in cities up and down the east coast. When the appeal reached the antebellum south, it made a big impression. Almost too big. Slave owners put out a bounty now, on him seem for $3,000. putting all this time into and David Walker Walker in a podcast to the that's supposedly about Exodus. And people in Boston tried to get Walker to leave and go to Canada. And the Egyptian but Walker Exodus wouldn't leave, claiming that for I may example, be doomed to the stake Walker and the fire, the idea of to the Moses, scaffold tree, who but it is not in me to falter blacks. if I can promote the work of emancipation. For Walker, there could be no single Moses, but instead a group of Moseses. If you think back to the Exodus story, it's important that Moses was an Israelite who, even though he wasn't enslaved, chose to work with the Israelites. Walker saw a similarity here and used Moses as a model for free blacks to work for liberation. Walker understood the black community to be knit together in solidarity across geographic and class borders. But Walker also saw a problem with parallels between Egypt and America. 
Walker criticized the idea that the Exodus and American slavery were historically related, two separate events with similarities to be compared. Instead, he saw American slavery as a continuation of the same ideology and practices that existed in Egypt. For example, Walker said, consider Joseph. Joseph was a slave who climbed the social ladder in Egypt. He was the second most powerful man in Egypt. He even married an Egyptian woman and was given land in Egypt. To Walker, Egyptian slavery was actually more humane than American slavery. It had an element of social mobility and progress that blacks were never given in America. To understand another reason why Walker thought the Exodus model didn't quite fit, we need to introduce an idea, or another group into the mix here. The ACS, which stood for the Society for the Colonization of Free People of Color in America. The ACS wanted to send American slaves back to Africa. They actually set up a colony to do that, Liberia. And the ACS wasn't some fringe group either. They were important. Henry Clay and Daniel Webster were both members of it. And if you go to Liberia today, you can visit Monrovia, named after colonization supporter President James Monroe. The ACS's colonization plan claimed that it had the best interests of blacks at heart, but it was really a cover to avoid the process of integrating slaves back into society. Faced with the possibility of integrating blacks into society, many whites, both slave owners and not, thought it would be better to send them away. It was thought that former slaves could only achieve a new life by themselves. Henry Clay even suggested that colonization was a way to repay the moral debts that America owed slaves. But behind these claims was a belief that America needed to be a racially homogenous country, always pushing others outside of its borders. So for Walker, the promised land wasn't somewhere far away. It was right here. It was the United States. Walker drew from Richard Allen in claiming that black slaves had watered America's land with their tears and their blood, and America was now their mother country. If you think back to the Exodus story, the Israelites leave Egypt with their spoils. But what were the spoils of the black slaves? For Walker, it was land. The black community couldn't leave behind the spoils of America. They needed to stay on the land. Walker told the black community that no one should budge one step. Earlier in 1829, when the appeal was written, there were efforts to force free blacks out. About a month before Walker's appeal was published, half of free blacks in Cincinnati were driven to Ontario by mob violence. Would the integration Walker was talking about be possible? Maybe. It was possible, but Walker thought it would only be so if whites would work to end white supremacy and integrate blacks into American society. So what can we say about the exodus and American slavery? Well, it depends. In many cases, it was a source of inspiration. But as we've seen, in other ways, it could support ideas that led away from black flourishing. Walker approached the exodus with a kind of cautious appreciation. It would take decades for these questions of land, equity, power, and race to be worked out, especially for blacks after the Civil War, who found themselves to be strangers in a familiar land. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with a new episode. 
Our theme music is Opportunity Walks by Kevin McLeod, used under a Creative Commons 3.0 license. We'll see you next week.